Welcome to It Came From The Deep, a narrative podcast series based on the novel by best-selling author Maria Lewis. Chapter 1. In a country famed for its natural beauty, Surfers Paradise Beach was one of the most iconic in Australia. It was towards the northern tip of a flawless length of golden sand that spanned some 50 kilometres. It also happened to be the unofficial capital within the burgeoning coastal community of the Gold Coast. The sand was barely visible as thousands of bodies packed onto every spare inch of space on the beach for the Australian surf life-saving titles. Kaya Craig was one of those bodies, but she was blocking everyone else out as she kept her eyes focused on what was in front of her. Surf. Surf rolling in massive, frothy mounds of eight to ten feet. If it got much bigger, they were going to have to cancel the event. There was only one day left of the six-day competition, and it was doubtful officials would call off the race now. She was standing on top of the starting platform, just minutes out from the beginning of the open Iron Woman race. The shiny crown of surf life-saving. Arguably the more important title was the Energen X Ironman series, which she had taken out three weeks previously. Or perhaps the notorious endurance race, the Coolangatta Gold. Another win, albeit by a slim margin at the start of the season. Both of those titles brought money, prestige and press to the winner. The Aussie title gave you nothing. Nothing except the knowledge that you had taken out the three most important events in the sport. The trifecta. And Kaya wanted it. At the age of 18, she'd spent more time doing this sport than anything else. It felt as if every moment had been leading up to this one. Every hour spent body surfing with her brother. Every wave break she smashed through racing her father. Every mouthful of water she'd swallowed after a wipeout. It had all been leading up to this. She shook out her legs and arms to calm her nerves, all the while keeping her eyes on the surf. The sets were big and getting bigger. The waves were coming in groups of seven to eight, followed by a tiny lull of no more than 30 seconds or so. She'd been out in much worse than this. From the green looks on the faces of her competitors, they hadn't. She told herself that all she had to do was be the fastest to the drop zone, time her breakthrough perfectly, and she'd have this in the back. A deep crackle rang out over the PA system, marking the beginning of the pre-race commentary. Thanks, Jimbo. Yes, that's right, folks. We have the final event of the day with the fight for the coveted Open Iron Woman Australian title. For spectators joining us for the first time, the race is held over three legs, board, swim and ski, with the order being exactly that for today's race. The ladies here will paddle out through the particularly brutal break on their boards and around three apex cans, before returning to the shore and running around the marked flags. They'll head out again, this time swimming around the string of boys before once more running around the flags and heading out for the final leg, the surf ski. The first girl to cross the finish line will claim the title. I think it's going to be a tough race for the gals, Tony. As we saw, the men's race earlier took 20 minutes longer than it usually would, which is testament to the trying conditions. It's certainly the roughest swell we've seen this season. Let's talk favourites. Who's your pick? I think that's a no-brainer. The defending champ, Kaya Craig. 
She'd been in impeccable form this season and we just saw her dominate the Energin X Ironman series. She's got the Cooley gold. She's got the series. I think she has her sights firmly aimed at the title and these are certainly her kind of conditions. Yes, you're on the money there. Kaya is, of course, the daughter of Aussie legend and three-time world champion surfer Ken Casey Craig, who I believe was down on the beach giving her a pep talk in the marshalling arena. Her older brother Storm has a few Aussie board titles under his belt too from back in the day and there's no doubting the Craigs shine in tricky conditions like this. They're a talented family and old man KC has certainly passed on his uncanny ability to read the surf to his daughter, who has been racing for Middle Beach Surf Life Saving Club since she was a nipper. But I think there may be more out there today than even she has bargained for. Something lurking under the water perhaps. You're not wrong Jimbo, you're not wrong. Another one to watch has to be Amy Perkins from the Maroubra Surf Life Saving Club down in New South Wales. She's certainly a strong competitor on the craft and, ah, it looks like the starter has them lined up and they're ready to go, Tony. Let's get this race underway. The gun fired and Kaya was off, sprinting to her board and wading through the shallows as she tugged it along behind her. It was too windy to tuck it under her arm, like some of the other girls had unsuccessfully tried and given how far in front she was already, it seemed she had made the right decision. But she knew she couldn't think about a lead now. All it took was an unlucky knock from one ill-timed wave, and she could be back in the middle of the pack. Never waste an opportunity, she thought, repeating her father's favourite catchphrase in her head. Ever since she could walk, Casey had been teaching her and Storm how to read the surf, how to take advantage of the unnoticed currents and the unexpected openings. She did this now as she popped over a broken wave and angled herself in the direction of a small but significant rip that would help drag her beyond the break quicker. Suddenly, she was heading back to shore, uncertain of how she'd got around the course so quickly. The rip hadn't moved that fast, yet Kaya didn't remember paddling around the cans. In fact, she didn't remember the rest of the board leg at all. Now wasn't the time to focus on that, Kaya reasoned, shaking her head as she copped a splash of water to the face. Blinking the salt out of her eyes, she hardly felt the sting anymore. Her ass was skybound as she bent down on her knees and extended her arms to push the water and propel herself forward as she paddled. There was no one around her, yet Kaya urged herself to go faster, to dig deeper as she rose and fell with the movement of the ocean. She was heading into the break zone when she lurched forward and her board came to a dead halt. Impossible. It felt as if the fin had run aground on a sandbar, yet she was still a solid 100 metres from the shore. She looked behind her to see what it could have been caught on. Nothing. There was nothing there. She could see her rival competitors quickly approaching and behind that a monstrous blue set of waves looming. She needed to get out of there and fast. Wiggling into position on her stomach, she began paddling frantically. Yet she wasn't going anywhere. What in the hell was holding her up? Propping her legs over each side of the board, she swivelled again to look behind her. She felt the water drawing back as the first of the set of waves started sucking up. Her heartbeat quickened as she realised she was in the drop zone. A sudden splash near her ankle had her looking down. There was a shadow, a round, dark shadow getting bigger and bigger as it moved closer to the surface. A hand shot out of the water and grabbed Kaya's calf tightly in its grip. It was a human hand, but it was an off-green colour 
and slimy. A piece of seaweed was caught around one of the fingers. She didn't scream, didn't shout, didn't do anything, but stare in abject horror as the owner of the hand slowly emerged from the water. She had been young, barely 17 when she died. Whatever afterlife she'd had hadn't been kind to her. Her flesh was puffy and bloated from being underwater so long. Cuts lined her arms and her face, a mixture of decomposition and other animals taking a nibble here and there. Her once vibrant red hair was now the colour of rust, like the hull of a sunken ship. She drew herself closer, towards Kaya, and up onto the board. Kaya was frozen in shock and fear. It wasn't until she was inches from her face that the creature smiled, an evil and toothless grin. As her lips extended, a small crab scuttled out of her mouth and down her neck. Remember me, Kaya? She whispered. With surprising strength, the thing yanked her off the board and into the water. Kaya twisted her body at the last minute in an attempt to grab something, anything. She managed to clutch the back strap of the board and held onto it for dear life. The girl might be strong, Kaya thought, but she wasn't strong enough to pull her and the weight of the craft down under. All she had to do was not let go of the strap and she'd be. A loss of pressure reverberated through her as the handle snapped free of the screws that had been holding it in place. Kaya had a second to stare at the broken handle in her hand before water rushed over her face as she was pulled down, down, down into the depths. She screamed a soundless scream that was lost to the never-ending abyss of the ocean. Kaya woke shouting and thrashing, as was her habit. Jerking upright, it was a good ten seconds before she seemed to realise that she was wet with sweat and not, as she feared, seawater. The sheets were also not trying to get her. She stilled her movements and hung her head between her knees. Her shoulders heaved in time with her heavy, forced breathing as she tried to adjust to the reality of it being just a nightmare. A horrific nightmare, sure, but she had those most nights. This was nothing unusual. Placing a hand on her chest, she tried to still her rapidly beating heart as it did its best to escape from the confines of her chest. A whimper made her raise her head and look around the room for the source of the noise. Quint? she whispered. Here, boy. It took another moment before she realised the sound was coming from her. Sweeping back the hair that was hanging over her face, she wiped the tears from her cheeks and let out a ragged breath. She let her eyes adjust to the darkness as she took in the comforting side of her room. Another deep breath. Then she rolled over to her bedside table, pulled open one of the drawers and retrieved a bottle that rattled as she moved it. It was too dark for her to read the dosage instructions, but she already knew what they said. Benzodiazepine, prescribed to her seven months ago to help battle night terrors. She cradled the cool plastic in the palm of her hand for several long minutes before tossing the bottle back in the drawer and slamming it shut. A bright light illuminated the room as she pressed several buttons on her digital wristwatch. It was 4.27am. Son of a bitch, she groaned. There were exactly three more minutes until she had to be up. Kaya threw the damp sheets off her body, slid to the side of the bed and stood up to stretch. The tiles beneath her feet were cool, but she welcomed the change in temperature to help wake her up. 
Pulling her loose-fitting flannel pyjama pants down the significant length of her legs, she felt like she barely had time to wriggle into a Speedo swimsuit before her alarm was buzzing at 4.30am. She flicked the button off and didn't examine her darkened reflection in the mirror. She didn't need the lights to see what was there. It was the same thing every morning when she rose at this hour. She tugged on a pair of tracksuit pants and her favourite hoodie, then tucked her hair under the hood. In a daze, she padded out to the kitchen and grabbed a container of water from the fridge. She dumped several spoonfuls of protein powder into it before heading out to her car. The only sound that followed her was a soft sloshing as she shook the ingredients together. Sitting for a moment in the front seat, she reluctantly looked up at her reflection in the rear vision mirror. Kaya Craig was a girl in serious need of an uninterrupted night's sleep. She pulled herself away from morbid thoughts and glanced at the clock as she began reversing down the driveway. Not even 4.45am. It was early August, so it wouldn't get light until at least 6.30am. She flicked on the headlights of her silver Honda CRV and began the drive to the swimming pool. The mellow sounds of Angus and Julia Stone played through her speakers, but she barely registered the music. Even with the seat pushed back as far as possible, her long limbs still felt cramped as her feet tapped the gear pedal and moved the car into third gear. At six foot one, Kai was tall enough to be a runway model, or so her mother, Leah, had always told her. She could even hear the exact words her mother would have used playing in her head. It always started like, with your height, sweetie, followed by, you wouldn't have to waste your years with centrefolds. The concluding remarks tended to be a variation on, of course you'd need a nose job to get rid of the lump, but everyone gets those these days. All of this would have been said from the other side of a martini glass, which would be getting drained quickly. Kaya's mum had been an American swimsuit model in her prime, which was when her dad had met and married her in the early 90s. They divorced when Kai was six, and Leah Craig moved to Hawaii, leaving her son and daughter behind. She called on birthdays, sometimes. What she may have neglected to give Kaya in motherly tendencies, she had certainly made up for in physicality. Both Kaya and her brother sported the impossibly long, lean and lanky bodies, courtesy of Leah's genetic blessings. Their hair, however, was entirely their father's fault. It was so blonde it was almost white, which probably wasn't helped by constant exposure to the sun and ocean. Unlike Storm, Kai had also received a visible ridge in the centre of her nose from her dad's genetic pool. Something that made him look masculine, and she felt made her look like Owen Wilson on a bad day. Pulling to a stop at a traffic light, Kai couldn't help but let her mind wander as she thought about her dad. Ken Craig had been the first Aussie to win back-to-back -back surfing world titles, three in total and had only retired from the world tour six years ago at the age of 45. Now he spent his time chasing storms with his buddies in search of the biggest surfable wave on the planet. He also mentored a handful of grommets on the Silver Swell quest. Needless to say, he wasn't home a lot. At least, he hadn't been since. Shaking her head slightly, Kaya told herself she didn't have time to think about this now. She tried to wipe the thoughts from her mind like an etch-a-sketch. Her psychiatrist, the same one who had prescribed her the pills, discouraged her from reflecting on childhood 
saying that she had enough to deal with in the present. So that's where Kaya tried to drag herself back to, her eyes flicking over the dark, empty road. A reflective light flashed ahead of her as she neared a group of cyclists in high-visibility clothing. By the time she made it to the pool, she was desperate to get in the water and drown her thoughts. Hi, Kaya. She glanced at the kid who had called her name, nodding in response as the girl leapt out of her parents' car. A bleary-eyed mother stared out with mild interest. No doubt she had heard of Kaya Craig, a thought that made Kaya extremely uncomfortable. She didn't stop and wait for the girl, hoping that the brief acknowledgement would be enough to sate her, but also prevent a conversation. She couldn't have been much older than 13 or so, and her name was something like Becca or Bertha. No, must be Becca. No one called their kids Bertha anymore unless they really hated them. A few other regulars muttered hellos and good mornings as Kaya pushed through the gates. She nodded and tried to keep her head down so as to avoid any other welcomes. As usual, she felt the stares. Always stares. The surf life-saving season was just gearing up, and she knew it would only get worse as more people returned to training. Kaya was prepared for it. Or so she told herself. Flinders Park swimming pool wasn't much, but it was somewhat of a Gold Coast icon. It had been there since the 50s, and despite dozens of renovations, it still looked like it belonged in that period. The two Olympic-sized swimming pools certainly didn't, however, and even in the morning darkness, their iridescent blue tiles gave off a science fiction glow. Kaya walked soundlessly along the grey concrete towards an undercover area at the end of the pool reserved for training squads. The other pool was empty for now, but it would begin to fill with lap swimmers and elderly water aerobics enthusiasts closer to 8am. A small group of 15 or so people were gathered together talking and grumbling about being awake at this hour. She avoided all of them by taking the long way around the structure and placing her bag on a long, empty outdoor table. Although it was nearly 5am, no one looked keen to remove their beanies and scarves and get in the water. It was barely below 15 degrees Celsius and the pool was heated. Yet for some reason, everyone acted like a nuclear winter was coming right up until the moment a coach screamed at them to get in the blasted pool. That coach was almost always BB. Real name, Brenton Booth. Kaya had always found it ironic that two important men in her life were better known by a duo of letters positioned together. BB was like most swim coaches, grumpy in nature, a chain smoker and a mad genius. He'd been on the world tour with her dad back in the day before he retired to become a swimming coach. Since then, he'd trained a dozen Olympic champions and countless surf life-saving legends, from Trevor Hendy to Carla Gilbert. Kaya had been swimming with BB since she was 10, after her dad insisted she get a real coach. Most people feared BB, and true, he was a fearsome man. Barely over five foot five and wire thin, he still managed to inspire dread in grown men and women alike. He was tough, and his sessions were brutal when they needed to be. To train in his squad, you had to work your way up through three other coaches. And even then, most people preferred to fly under the radar at BB's sessions. For those who understood him, they knew how to get the best out of his madness. Show up often, on time, don't answer back, and always give 110% in the pool. 
It was a simple recipe and one that hadn't changed in all the years she'd been training under him. Still, Kaya always marvelled at the rogue few who tried to butt heads with BB. They usually lasted no more than a few weeks. She stripped down to her swimmers, a metallic green full piece, and grabbed her bathing cap and goggles. Making her way to the usual lane, number three, she couldn't help but smile as she heard BB's raspy yell at the people standing around behind her. Placing a water bottle on the pool's edge, Kaya sat next to it and dipped her feet into the liquid below. Sheesh, he's not in a good mood this morning, is he? With a heavy thud, Yana Cavi Cabin plonked herself down on the tiled surface. It is a Monday, Kaya muttered, twirling her hair into a knot at the back of her head. Yup, that makes all the difference, Cabby said sarcastically. She wasn't sure if she could call Cabby a friend, but since she began training with the squad over a year ago, Kaya had enjoyed regular banter and a familiarity with her that somehow never extended beyond the pool's premises. She could never put a finger on why that was. They competed for different surf clubs, and swimming training was the only place they saw each other besides on the beach at surf carnivals, which made things difficult. Regardless, she dug what they had going on. When Kai was at training, she liked to train, not joke around and catch up on the latest gossip. Cabby and she had this in common. Plus, the girl could swim. She came from a competitive swimming background before making the crossover into surf racing, and it showed. She was easily the fastest person in the squad, and Kaya strived to be a steady second. How was your weekend? Cabby asked. Kaya shrugged as she stretched the silicon of her bathing cap with her hands and pulled it over her head. You? she asked, tucking the loose strands of hair underneath. A year older than Kaya, Cabby had a sweep of dark brown hair that she kept in a pixie cut that somehow managed to remain stylish no matter what time of the morning it was. She had a typical swimmer body, six-pack and all, and everything about her screamed strong. I got laid, she said, mimicking Kai's shrug. Good for you. Anyone we know? Cabby cast a casual glimpse behind them and nodded at a short girl in a purple two-piece. Imogen Tishop, a twenty-something from Cabby Surf Club, Westport. She was a mediocre competitor, but a decent swimmer and genuinely one of the nicest people in the squad. Although from the brief conversations Kaya had with her, she was quite certain the wheel in her head was spinning, but their hamster was long dead. She seems sweet, Kaya said, impassive about Cabby's conquest and eager to start the warm-up. I knew you'd be no fun to tell, she sighed. Kaya shrugged again, unapologetic. Who else have you told? No one. A gentle lady should never kiss and tell, she said, putting on a terrible British accent. Except to me? Except to you. Bullshit, Kaya smirked, thrusting herself into the water. She'd grown up around surf club guys, not to mention she lived with two well-known ones in her father and brother. Kaya knew them and knew the culture. Surf club guys always kissed and told. If not directly after the act, give it a day. The women were no different. The Frenchies got in yesterday, Cabby said, throwing herself into the water after Kaya. Huh. She didn't need to glance at the figures written on the whiteboard to know the warm-up would be four sets of 400 metres. It was the same every morning. She moved into position on the wall and prepared to push off. Apparently the South Africans land on Wednesday. 
Cabby added, lowering her voice. That got Kaya's attention. Her feet slipped on the tiled wall and she bobbed under the water as she tried to regain her footing. What? All of them? Most. There's always a few new add-ons and a few who don't come back, but yeah, from what I heard, Chris too. Kaya said nothing. She could tell Cabby was examining her face carefully. She could only imagine what she saw. It must have been something close to pity, because she said, I'll lead. She was already halfway down the length of the 50-metre pool before Kaya even noticed Cabby had gone. She was paralysed, with her back pressed flat against the end of the lane. Each year, a handful of elite ironmen and ironwomen competitors from around the world travelled to the cluster of surf clubs on the Gold Coast to train. Put simply, the best athletes in the sport all came from the same stretch of beach and it made sense for the international competitors to try and bed themselves within it. A mixture of French, British, New Zealand and even Swedish athletes would start arriving from now until the middle of the season in January. And the South African contingent would be here in a few days. Everything was about to get worse. Much worse. This chapter of It Came From The Deep was read by Sophie Parr and produced by Adam Boys at Thaumaturgy Post-Production Services. It Came From The Deep is the third novel from Maria Lewis and available physically from all good bookstores and library as well as online. It's also part of her Aurealis award-winning Supernatural Sister series which includes Who's Afraid, Who's Afraid 2, Who's Still Afraid, The Witch Who Caught a Death, The Wailing Woman, The Rose Daughter and more. This is the narrative podcast series with new chapters releasing every week and bonus episodes dropping in between with author Maria Lewis and myself, Blake Howard, breaking down the plot, inspirations and writing process. It Came From The Deep is part of One Heat Minute Productions.